0: You're listening to the Truth in Boots podcast. Join me as we search the Bible for truth about our God, for hope to encourage us through hard trials and struggles, and for answers for anyone who questions our faith. The truth of God's Word is not fragile, impractical, and only used on special occasions like a pair of stiletto heels. God's Word, like a pair of sturdy boots, is meant to be put to work daily and is designed to protect us and help us through the mud, streams, and rocks of life. Welcome back. We are continuing a series in the podcast on God's nature and our salvation, understanding who God is and what that implies and means for our salvation on a daily basis. Before we get into today's episode, I just want to take a moment and ask, have you subscribed to the podcast? I know I post on social media and send out emails, but if you hit subscribe, that makes sure you never miss an episode, and also that helps boost the podcast so that others can find it when they do a search for podcasts. So if you haven't subscribed, go out there and do that now. Today we're discussing the topic of God's power, and it's a fact that we Christians claim to know, but... Frequently, we misunderstand or don't fully understand what that means. We don't have a correct view of God. We can maybe think that God is a genie in a bottle. So yeah, he's got all this awesome cosmic power, but he's there waiting for us to rub the lamp and make a wish. God's not like that or some of us may not think he really is in control. He doesn't have all the power that supposedly is attributed to him, that the universe is running on its own and God is helpless to fix anything. Well, those and other ideas like it are erroneous. So let's take a look at what the Bible actually says about God's power and all the implications of it. First, His power is very evident in His creation. All throughout the Bible, you see references to God our Creator as being powerful. Um, Starting in Genesis 1-1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now, we'll take a look in a minute on the full meaning behind this fact that God created but just so you can see that it is throughout the Bible, um, Jeremiah thirty two seventeen says, O oh Lord God, it is you who have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and by your outstretched arm. Nothing is too hard for you. Jeremiah is saying, because I know you created everything, I know you have the power. Nothing is impossible for you. Again, Hebrews 1, 2 through 3 say, but in these last days, He, God the Father, has spoken to us by His Son, whom He appointed the Heir of all things, through whom also He created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of His nature, and He upholds the universe by the word of His power. So the universe is reliant upon God and His power to stay together. He holds the universe together. So What does it mean that these constant references to God being the creator, what impact does that have on the way we think? Well, let's compare it to man-made power. What is the most powerful thing that man has made? Um, You might think of a semi-truck. Yeah, that's pretty powerful. Or what about a crane on the top of a skyscraper lifting all the mini beams, tons and tons, um, thousands of pounds of beams, up to the top so they can build the skyscraper higher. That's got to be powerful. Or what about propulsion for the space shuttles to get anything into space to you know defy gravity and get it up there. That's got to take a lot of power. But um, anything man has made actually is kind of puny when compared to the ultimate power, the H-bomb. The H-bomb is a nuclear weapon. But let's go back to some origins. We all know about um, the first nuclear weapon used in warfare. The atomic bomb dropped in Hiroshima, Japan, in World War II. It destroyed about five square miles of the city and instantly killed over 80,000 people. Not to consider all the um, latent effects from radiation, the thousands more it killed. So yes, one nuclear bomb, an atom bomb, which is different from the H-bomb, fission versus fusion. Go back and study your science textbooks to find out the difference. But that one bomb destroyed about five square miles of city The average H-bomb is seven Hundred times more powerful than that fission bomb in Hiroshima So seven hundred times more power Not necessarily in land area. They are bigger land area, but more powerful in and of itself a bigger explosion so that is the most powerful thing man has right now as far as i know and there there may be something else out there but if there is let me know and i'll share with you guys later but compare that to what god made the sun the sun is powerful. It gives off 9.192 times 10 to the 10th megatons of energy per second. Okay, that's totally gibberish, Kathleen. Break it down for me. I had my husband help me with the math because once I get into scientific notation, I, I, I want to make sure I get all my units right. And as an engineer, he has a brilliant mind for that. Um, but I compare that to the power of an H-bomb. 1,838 trillion H-bombs is what is the equivalent explosion to one second of energy from the Sun. Let me say that again. You need to explode 1,838 38 trillion H-bombs every second in order to have the equivalent amount of energy given off by the sun per second. Let that gel for a moment. That is an enormous amount of energy that the sun gives us. And there are 31.5 million seconds in a year so we're not just talking eight hundred 1, thirty eight trillion H bombs per year. No, it's per second, multiplied by millions of seconds in a year. And then just consider that our sun is average, comparing to the rest of the stars. It's average size, average mass. There are sun. There are stars more powerful out there. There are stars less powerful. It's just average. And our galaxy, our Milky Way galaxy, is estimated to have between 100 billion and 400 billion stars. And then there are at least a hundred billion galaxies in the universe that we can see. Let me run through that one more time so you can understand the full implication of this. There's the bomb that destroyed Hiroshima. The H bomb is 700 times more powerful than that bomb at Hiroshima. The sun gives off 1,838 trillion H bomb explosions per second, and there are 31.5 million seconds in a year. Now, the sun's power is unfathomable in and of itself. But then, there are 100 billion to 400 billion stars in our own galaxy, and then multiply that by the at least 100 billion galaxies in the universe that we can see. The power of all of these stars combined is unfathomable, but God made them all. Romans 1.20 says, For His invisible attributes, namely His eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made. So creation, like the Bible says over and over and over again, shows God's power. It's insane to wrap your mind around how much power He needed to create all these powerful things, and yet He spoke the world into existence. God's power was also demonstrated through Christ's work in the Gospels. Think of the feeding of the 5,000 in John 6, or what about calming the storm in Matthew 8? The Sea of Galilee is a torrent of rain and raging waves and wind, and with words, peace be still, instantly, everything is calm by the word of Christ's power. Or what about Jesus' power over decaying flesh of leprosy in Matthew 8? Christ healed the leper. He healed the lame in John 5. He gave blind a blind man his sight in Mark 8, and he resurrected a dead decaying body and gave it life again in John 11 finally Christ referenced God the Father with the title of power you know we have title of King the title of father well in Mark 14 62 Jesus said I am I am the Messiah and you will see the son of man seated at the right hand of power coming with the clouds of heaven god is power evidence through his creation evidence through christ's work go do a quick search of um, the word almighty the word power throughout the bible and you'll see many more references look for the word rock our helper god is always able to help us because he is all powerful but what about his powers evidence in our salvation romans 1 16 says for i am not ashamed of the gospel for it is the power of god for salvation to everyone who believes to the jew first and also to the greek first corinthians six fourteen says and god raised the lord and will also raise us up by his power and ephesians 1 18 through 20 says having the eyes of your hearts enlightened that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you What are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints? What is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe, according to the working of his great might, that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places? It took power to save us from our sins, and it will take power to raise us up to new life, too. Also, let's consider his power and the implication with his other attributes. If God is not all-powerful, he could not be sovereign. For then, some things he'd want to do, he couldn't do. He wouldn't have the power to do it. If God was not all-powerful, he could not be just. For then, some people or even Satan could escape the punishment for their sins. Because God was not powerful enough to stop them. If God was not all-powerful, he could not be king. For then he would get his power from someone else and then that someone or something else would be who he reported to. No, God is our king. He is just. He is sovereign because he is all-powerful. So let's put this into boots. Let's put this doctrine from the Bible and see exactly what else that means for our salvation. It means, first of all, that no person's soul is too far gone for God to save. God is more powerful than the billions upon billions of stars he made. So God has the power to save. How about some examples? God saved the chiefest of sinners. First Timothy 1 Paul calls himself the chiefest of sinners. He saw his own sin, his, his blasphemy, his dragging the saints into prison, his defiance of God. He saw himself for tr- who he truly was, a terrible sinner. And yet Paul was amazed that God would save him. Or what about a slave trader, a man who confessed, I sinned with a high hand and I made it my study to tempt and to seduce others. And the same man who said that, who God saved, later wrote, amazing grace, how sweet the sound, that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now am found, was blind, but now I see. God saved the reprobate John Newton." Now, I have also personally heard some modern testimonies. I heard the testimony of a former prostitute, a former pimp, and a former drug dealer who are today living proof that God's power can save anyone from sin. These people that I've heard are now living lives for God's glory, and it's all because of God's power. Jeremiah thirty-two seventeen says, Ah, Lord God, it is you who have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and by your outstretched arm. Nothing is too hard for you. God created the universe. He has enough power to save even the worst sinner. But God's power is also available to you to keep you from sinning once you are saved. We understand we're not capable of saving ourselves. You can't be perfect. Romans 3:23 says, "For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God." Likewise, once you have asked Christ to rescue you from your sins, you cannot keep from sinning on your own strength. Paul, the chiefest of sinners, states in Romans 7, "For I know that nothing good dwells in me, that is in my flesh." For I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. So you must hang on to Christ and let him keep you from sinning. John 15, 4 says, abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. You don't have the ability to keep from sinning. You cannot produce good works. You cannot produce love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, etc. Because those are the fruit of the Spirit of God. See Galatians 5. The fruit of the Spirit are love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, etc. So, what do we need to do? We need to call upon God for strength. Ephesians three, fourteen through seventeen say, For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell dwell in your hearts through faith. You are powerless. But God is all-powerful, and He offers His power to you to save you from your sins and to cleanse you and strengthen you through His Spirit so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. The God of the universe has chosen to save you. And is anything too hard for the Almighty God? So let us join the multitude in heaven, as Revelation says, praising our Savior, hallelujah, salvation and glory and power belong to our God. And then, as Ephesians says, let us praise God further, for now unto him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, unto him be glory.